Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Right. Well, hello, Lee Button. How are you doing? I, I'm, I'm all right, Mr. Chris Bright. Uh, uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's going well. Going well. How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm doing very well. I've, uh, I've had a birthday, so I'm now officially a year older, um, and which is good. So um, that's been great. Um, I, now, Lee, I hear that we've had some kind of correspondence on, we, we have on a podcast and so um one thing i'm really keen to do is that uh i'd love to be able to read out people's correspondence and uh you know, you know emails and uh feedback and because you know we want to make this a discussion we don't just want to make this a um we just tell you all what to do so um what feedback have you received in the post bag this week lee well, you see, uh, out of all the things we've said so far, what I thought we might receive feedback on or people starting conversation on, this one was slightly more unexpected. But also, um, I'm finding it rather amusing that it's about something that you've said, Chris, and not me. Okay, um, so, what, what, so what have this, I incriminated myself by saying? Well, we, we've had somebody question the authority of what you're able to say based on the fact that you've never roasted chestnuts um so anyway. this, this comes from this this comes out from uh mick and uh yeah he, he's questioning whether you can you can indeed be trusted uh, as as you know something that you enjoy but unable to do for yourself did i say that i've never roasted chestnuts because i i i have roasted chestnuts i just haven't roasted chestnuts in my new house because i don't have a a log burner oh, do, are you are you meaning that authority is restored and that that, well, that, that I, Nick has now got to trust you. I mean, because I mean, maybe this was lost in translation, but I mean, to, let's make it very clear. I like chestnuts, and even better when they are roasted. I mean, raw chestnuts are probably not the best thing to eat. Um, but yeah, but I'm unable to roast the chestnuts in my current house because it's too new to have a fireplace. And apparently, any house that was made in you know the 1970s, they thought eh, we don't need them because we have radiators. Um, and then it turns out people quite like having fires because of chestnut re- related reasons. And, um, and now uh, I miss I, out. I like the fact that there's going to be a resurgence of people putting in, uh, fireplaces throughout, uh, throughout the country, just because roasting chestnuts is one of the last things that we could all, uh, grasp and, uh, <laughs> and carry out during the autumn time. Yes, I also think it's possibly the, one of the most middle-class things that you can uh, possibly have a fireplace for. It's for, for the reasons of chestnuts. Um, I think that is, uh, it, yes. But you know what? So let's just make it clear. I, I like chestnuts. I have roasted chestnuts, just not in my current house. And I, I feel bereft, bereft, because uh, the lack of chestnuts, especially at uh, Christmas time, is, I mean, it's taking its toll. That's what I've got to say. It's, it's taking its toll. If anybody can help us out with some way of roasting chestnuts in a portable device so that, that Chris can get his fix, 
then please do uh, write to us, follow us on social media, uh, hit like, you know, do, do whatever you need to do to make sure uh, of all the issues that we could be tackling right now, I need to know what ways have we got for Chris to portably roast chestnuts without installing a whole fireplace in his property. Oh, well, um, that, would, that would really help us out. And, uh, and uh, maybe, maybe we'll send a bag to Nick. Yeah, th- yeah, sure. Uh, a Thinking Church branded chestnuts. I think this is going to be the thing now. Thinking chestnuts. Thinking chestnuts. I love it. Can you get thinking.chestnuts for a, a website? Because, um, because, um, because then you can link it to oh, not that old chestnut. And you say, oh, oh, yes, it is. Uh, it is that old chestnut. And here's and right a bag there, of them. We've just halved our listeners. Uh, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> you might be another year older, but you can, you can stop the dad jokes, all right? It's, the dad. Uh... See, right, before we get started, because I know we do need to get started, but I, I, I've got a theory on dad jokes that I need to, to say this. So I didn't realize this before I was a dad, but when I became a dad, suddenly the dad jokes started to come. And, um, but what I realized, and I, I mean, what I have to do is apologize to my dad for many years of dad jokes that I went, oh, dad, that's so, so embarrassing. It's not even funny. But what I didn't realize is that he knows that dads know that these jokes aren't funny. And that's why they say it. it's like the ultimate irony. They are, they are, they're hitting the comedy at a level we cannot even dream about. So dad jokes, you're just dads out there you're working at a higher level and i salute you and on that note let's what's today's what's today's topic okay so on that note we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about finance i mean what a segue what a segue we're going to talk about finance today and um how we can be intentional with our finance and uh i think finance is a hot topic especially in uh the church circles uh, that we want to do it well and there's some really good strategies around it so let's kick it off with the first thing to think about which is finance must serve vision and not the other way around Lee give me your thoughts on finance and vision and how that works together so I, I've had this put to me uh, as you know if you can if you put out a great vision that provision is the financial support to make that happen. So actually, you know, provision follows vision. And I think that is a setup for making this work uh, really well. Um, I must say that 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 was told to me by uh, a pastor, a guy called Tom Lane, who's from uh, Gateway Church, where they've got the book, The Blessed Church, and they do a lot about uh, financial like uh, management and kind of like doing doing things well, and I'm, I must say that they you know that they they really have got some things around uh, this in practice as well that you can see the fruit of it, and so I would say that you know that that is definitely the thing. Actually, you need you need if you've got clarity around the vision, that financing the vision becomes easier and people you giving people opportunity. And I think ultimately people uh, tie into like when they can see God at work in things as well. It makes it easier for them to give to it rather than it being another ask or a dead end or, you know, uh, you know that perpetual 
you know, fixing something for which they don't see benefit or they don't understand how it works, actually to get people excited about this. Because ultimately when we give, we give to God. We're not giving to the church, we're giving to God. And that's the way around this needs to be. So provision for the vision. I like that. That's a, I think that could that could be that could make a really good uh, thinking church uh, T-shirt. Is also, this yet I, another T-shirt? <laughs> I think. I mean, who wouldn't want a vision? A pro vision follows vision T-shirt. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, no, I'll, I th- I'll have to, I'll have to uh, go at them and uh, uh, see whether we can see whether that is trademarkable or whether we have to give royalty to somebody else for that. But it's uh, but it, it's it's certainly inspired me to actually stop thinking about finance first and then working out how big a vision I could have but actually to cast a vision whether that's personally whether that was corporately I was in a church context doing this uh, but I was also looking about what I was going to do personally and it was actually it was actually then actually that little flip of how to how to tell that was the thing that actually unlocked financial provision for what what we were embarking on and that actually that that for one of the things saw the church blessed and saw Rose go on to develop thinking church yeah yeah absolutely and i think when when we're thinking about that vision coming first and setting the direction of, of where you're going the it then comes back to the finance that you actually got to orient your finances to achieve that because I think sometimes what you can do is you can, you can sort of divorce vision and finance and to say, we'll set yeah. a vision, but we're not going to change our finances to achieve that. And I think that's, a, that's a, a really key thing to think about, that when you set a vision for your church, if your finances aren't matching it up, then it's going to be really hard. So look, God can do what God wants to do, but I think it's our responsibility to be responsible with our finances and 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 to to match it up based upon the vision that God has put in our, the church's heart, you know. So I think yeah. that's that's really important. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it's that level of intention. Like you know, at home, when whenever we're doing stuff, if we if we want if you want to go on holiday, if you want to do some building work, if you want to get your week's shopping in, like there's there's a priority order amongst those things. Uh, you know, you've got some stuff that's near field, which is things that you're going to do on a day-to-day basis. And you roughly know what your weekly spend on food is going to be. And you know roughly what your monthly spend is going to be on uh, fuel for cars and travel and things like that. You know, but if I, if I, if I financed the, the holiday ahead of some of those basics, then I'm going to be in very dire need by tomorrow if there's no food in the cupboards, but it's all invested in this holiday that's still not fully paid for or is further off. So I think the intention and prioritization are, are two things to pull the tension of with what we're doing. And that's about, you know, setting clear expectation about what we're doing and what also what we won't do. Let's not forget, in order sometimes to achieve the thing we want to do, something else has to go. Um, so and again, that's about clarity, about how we're, how, we're, how we're saying that and clarity with that vision. Uh, well, before we get into some of the weeds of setting some financial strategies, worth saying at this point, and maybe I need to have some kind of like alert klaxon, that we are not financial advisors. We are strategy facilitators so what we're not here to do is give your church financial advice 
uh, that is not what we're doing. What we're doing is helping you think through the strategy of, of finance. And it's kind of, so it's almost like, it's like pre-finance really, isn't it? It's setting the direction that, that then the, uh, the, the finance people can then do the finance thing. That, that's basically what we're saying here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's, there's people that we work with. And if you are looking at financial planning, then there's probably people we can introduce you to. And in terms of, are you having to have an independent examination? Are you trying to audit your church or charity? There's people we can link you with for great conversations on this. And there is some amazing resources out there that speak to these topics from highly qualified people about the practicalities of saving and finance and you can look at that from some of the banks and some other organizations and you know maybe we'll 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 reference a few of these maybe put a few of these out on social media just to give them a shout out so you can follow up um you know nobody gets a recommendation any higher than any of the others but there's people there that we that we know who speak well in these areas it should you require it yeah great great okay let's uh, dive into this then uh, the first thing is when you're setting an intentional finance strategy after you've set a vision you then need to work out how much money you've got to work with so you've got to work out what your income is expected to be and there's three main kind of routes that you can set because it's not just as simple as going well that's the income because actually you're normally working because you know the donations or you know tithes and offerings they come in by you know week by week month by month so you're when you're starting, you're working a plan, you need to go, you're working on a, well, this is what we're expecting to come in. So there's three different routes. Uh, Lee, can you talk us around those three different ways of thinking about it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll say, I'll say the three up front, and then what we'll do is we'll give you a couple of scenarios as to go, that might be one of the, one of the ways that this would play out. So you've got, you've got expected growth. And if you're, if you're looking at some of the numbers that you've got as a church to track where we are now, then you'll know whether you've been attracting new people, uh, whether you've got that organic growth, you know, people brand new to the church, uh, you know, people who have not been transferred in from another church or moved to the area, already Christian, that kind of thing, but the organic growth. So we're looking at some of the growth. Sometimes that is because, you know, maybe things have happened in the location and new people are coming, but expected growth. I, is it is it flat is your is you know no matter what you're doing or what you're changing is your is your income pretty level you know maybe a little deviation around christmas and january maybe a little deviation in the summer around like august where we you know typically see the you know the, the peaks and troughs of, of, of giving and the other one is then looking at the overall trend and how far back can you go to see what the performance is like over a longer period of time and you know you've got to build into this things such as people who are brand new to your church who've only just followed the invite maybe they're started attending online which is another maybe barrier to some of these things about giving if they're brand new they've not been taught any of this they maybe don't understand any of this maybe giving to them is the equivalent of like you know the retiring collection after some Chris Dingle service that they've been to when they were like younger or at the time that they've been to, uh, you know, uh, certain, you know, the, the kind of typical church services that people go to and weddings and that where you leave a little bit in a tray at the end. 
but doesn't really significantly change the financial structure. But also it's the expectation at the other end, actually people who've been with you for the lifespan of your church, you probably should be looking at how many people you've got who might be retiring, whose income might be going down, what's happening in the local area, what happens with furlough, people who've lost jobs and changes, you know, actually these are things that we need to have an eye on to understand the wider landscape and how it might impact our people and the people that we've got and people that are connecting with us. So it, it roughly breaks out into kind of thirds, you know, thirds of people kind of like, you know, moving into uh, stages of life where they've got, you know, less finance, you know, they're retiring, they've got life changes, you know, things are going on, that natural rotation about people who are mature in the church. And then you've got the middle, middle bracket of people who are committed, they're dedicated, but, you know, uh, giving beyond, uh, beyond themselves is more of a challenge because, you know, in that, in that middle kind of bracket is when you've got families and the uh the usual expenses and family life and then you've got you know the health would be if you've got a third of people who are brand new and learning how to give and what that commitment might look like and, and what to do with it so how do you track that how do you build a picture and how do you how do you do that in such a way that you're doing it well and that you know finance hope is not a strategy in this situation you can't just pin it out on something actually being very if you know what what it is when you look at the facts then you know what things you can work on and how to do it and how to deal with it yeah i, I guess with expected growth i think many people can fall into that category of kind of financing by faith so we've got faith that the church will grow by 15 percent this year so we're gonna set our budget according to that and yeah. I'm not sure that's the wisest idea. Look, we're, we're all for faith and believing God for great things. And, but expecting, but, but believing for faith God just to be able to sort of pay the bills is that's just sort of, you know, you're kind of asking God to come through for you just to do the basic. I, I think the allowing God to come through above and beyond always seems better because then you've got options to what you can do. So let's say you don't expect growth or you don't, you know, you don't budget for growth, but then you get growth and that's an absolute win rather than expecting the growth and then needing it to come in just to make ends meet. And for me, that seems yeah. like a, a wiser way. So I think expected growth, if you're going to go down that route, you really do need to know the, you know, in, in charity terms, you call them donors. We don't really call them that in church world, but you need to know your donors and going, okay, we know where they're at on the, the journey of, of helping them you know, grow in their, you know, relationship with God and, and then the, Absolutely. in terms of like tithing and all those kind of things. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, when it comes to this, and I'll put this out as a caveat as well, finance is important, but I also kind of don't care about it because this is about reaching people and seeing their mental relationship with Christ, seeing them understand what Jesus is to them in their life and how they can then go about making a difference in their life as a result of that there's an element of that that we should be committed to do regardless of finance and to a degree should cost us actually finance for the vision and to extend and do things that god has called us to and to work out that unique purpose i believe if we keep our focus on on the things of discipling and moving with people that the finance issue tends to solve itself as long as we are good stewards. And that means that 
we can believe for the finance, but don't spend ahead of schedule. Don't, in the belief that finance will come, commit yourself to things. You know, it's like counting the cost before you begin. It's like, no, with a good plan and a good budget, now there is something that God can go above and beyond. But I would rather it be going above and beyond because of new people coming to the church and seeing more people and unique ways of solving the problem, sometimes outside of it being just a financial aim. Uh, so, you know, let's, let, let, let's keep that tight. You know, we're going to talk about nuts and bolts and practical things, but actually this is about people and, you know, the things that we want to commit to with them. studying um charity fundraising at university and it's, it talks in ways that i never really thought about it for a church world but because because it's for charities you know charities churches are charities in, in essence i remember one of the things and thinking about this in terms of setting our income uh, they talk about lifetime value of a donor which was five years worth of giving and um yeah. if you can get someone in and thinking about the if someone gives for five years it's worth actually investing a bit of money to help them continue to give. Um, because, and remember, this is not, we're not just doing it just to, you know, to be money grabbing. It's actually helping them to give is helping them in their discipleship. So they're not that one doesn't negate the other. Um, but I think we need to think about it from a more personal aspect of things. I think that's the thing that I think we've often, many churches don't talk about who's giving and don't talk about, okay, let's, let's manage our donors really well yeah. so that, that they, they feel encouraged to give and, and also managing it in a way that we know a lot more about where things are going. So when we're thinking about flat or trend, um, actually we can be a lot cleverer because uh, there, there's, I mean, there's good things about flat, absolutely, because I think it's it's conservative, and I like that conservatism. Um, uh, but also, if your income's going down, then flat's not going to help you, because that's still going to be too high. So, for instance, yeah. you know, 2019, if you went flat from 2019 to 2020, most people's giving in 2020 because of COVID has been down. If you went flat, then you're already budgeting too high. Uh, yeah. whereas trends, you may not have seen the trends. So there's, there's, there's issues there as well. So, uh, I mean, my thought on setting expected income is know your people, but always aim conservatively on it because you, it's always better to have more money in your accounts than you think. Yeah. And just going to throw one in here that is, uh, this kind of messes with people's thinking to a degree is working out your per capita giving actually churches with really high per capita giving are often in decline numerically yes because if you've got high per capita giving you've probably not got new people who aren't giving so it seems you know just bear that in mind that you might look healthy when you look at uh, we've got a thousand pound per head which is typically very very high in the uk i think about a thousand pound per head per year 
is you know it, per capita is kind of like upper upper margins but actually if you look at the amount of total income and the total number of people you know please remember to look at that objectively about who you've got in the church and if you've got you know also at the same time even if you're looking at the data and you haven't got you know an individual name on it but if there's a way for you to see that you know a bulk of our income comes from one person that can that can put you at risk because are, are they funding it because they like it or because they're invested is it because it's serving somebody's preference you know it's i think you know another thing that i was told was uh out of all the people in the church giving was giving was pretty good from about 80 percent of the people but i would rather have had a hundred percent of those 80 giving than this like 80 percent of this whole because there, were, there was more of a health that some people were holding back the finance just to almost vote with their money and it's like that's not that's not what this is about we're not we're not here to you know only back the things we're like we're it, the, the giving is because uh of, of god and actually that so you know there's, there's there's more to be done around those areas as well yeah absolutely is this double it's a double-edged sword i think because um i completely agree that that you people in churches should give regardless of what the vision is however a well a well thought through planned vision plan is going to encourage more people to give so you've got to you've got to balance that really really well in church life of going on the one hand we want you to give regardless but on the other hand that can't make you complacent with setting vision because otherwise that's going to just exacerbate a problem uh and and that's not what we want for your church yeah absolutely and i think that's important like when it comes to planning about what we're doing as well is if you want a if you want a plan that will scale don't do it by amount do it by percentage and this is where we see that churches that commit to do too much stuff spread too thin actually churches should be doing uh fewer things really well and by percentage that that can scale because you're committing a percentage each time rather than like going no there's only a thousand pound available in that look if six months down the line that's the thing that's taking off and growing you've trapped yourself yeah so like you know you've got to give yourself the ability to flex as well so you know don't be so rigid that then you spend to the numbers have a way to actually manage what you're doing and look at it be able to report on it be able to have up to up to the minute finance get get a good bookkeeping system in place you know get get things that are timely pay people on time steward steward well essentially steward well yeah and i think with setting uh, sort of planning your spending by percentage and not amount i think that that really helps with long-term planning because you can look at the finances of a church and a church might grow rapidly but if it's got a great finance policy that's based on percentage those percentages may not ever change they yeah. can always stay within the, a certain you know maybe they might change by the odd percent or something but you can actually see churches and go through their finances when they've got a finance policy they stick to it and they might have doubled trebled in growth so you know in terms of financial growth that might have doubled and trebled 
but that doesn't matter because actually that means that they're still they have they have a plan and it's based on percentage rather than amount and if you're doing that it means you've always got that scalability and also yeah. it gives you guidelines all the way through uh rather than when you think about it from amounts it's, it's very easy to think well this is going to cost this amount so i'll put it across to here and that's going to cost that amount and and that's that's the wrong way to think about it it's definitely putting the uh, the cart before the horse yeah absolutely and i think you know if, if you're moving on from that kind of like the planning aspect i i've seen uh churches get a little bit wrapped up when it comes to things like gift aid okay yeah like where does gift aid feature well when people are earning and if they're paying taxes, you've probably got a fair representation of what's coming in. But again, don't spend until it's in. So, you know, it'd be great to be able to put gift aid aside for a short period until you know it's actually arrived rather than what's planned for. I mean, we're in a period, it's do we know what the government's going to do on things like this? Do we know how gift aid is going to apply longer, longer term? It's, you know, I, I would, I would question something that is appearing like that, whether we can count on it forever. And if, if you're, if you're budgeting with that in mind, you're already budgeting at like 120 odd percent. Yes. Whereas actually it's nice to think of it as that little bonus on top of everything that we're doing and a way to, to use it as it arrives. But if you're if you're kind of counting on it, I I, I would I, I would I would question the planning of that because it's not something we can hold to with absolute certainty. Um, and you know that we're in a time and a changing climate and where churches fit within charity setup and what government would give money to and how. Look, at some point these conversations are going to be had. We've got it today it's it's a it's a blessing on the finance that people give because of the great work that churches often do beyond their own walls but let's let's be let's be sensible about it and not count it in the planning but treat it as that extra that comes that primes the pump for something in the future that we might want to do it's yeah. it's, it's just a sensible way to view it and this i mean some, some of that as well is personal personal opinion but on smaller churches which is our primary audience I've seen people get into a little bit of trouble where they where they banked on that being there and then it's changed. And this is, comes into the, the, the kind of point four, which um, we, we, you know, I think we, we, we breezed through point three, straight through to point four, which was setting margin. But how you know, gift aid is a great, it gives you great margin because it is, you know, it's a, it's a 20% on your, uh, on your income, but it's not guaranteed because I think that you're only ever one, you know, budget from the chancellor of the exchequer away from it being taken away from you as a church um and and so th there's always 
there's always that. So it's never a guarantee. And, and but no, also, I say just, just, just it, 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 yeah, I mean, it is caution around it. Like, you know, we're not naysaying, we're not, we're not forecasting here what the government may or may not do, but we're in changing times and changing climate. I think, you know, potentially putting that on our accounting practices for the, for the future future is like, no, I think we have to treat it as it is. It's a bonus on top of stuff, yeah. which I think when you're planning by percentage, this is just another percentage and actually deal with it separately rather than bulked in with everything else. That's right. I think there's a really good um, principle about having margin in your budget. So if you were to use, say, gift aid as your margin, so let's say that was like 20% or whatever, or if you, but setting up a, a margin as one of your percentage lines each year, it gives you that flexibility. And especially, you know, what you can then start to do is, because you, you can then think, okay, well, how, how do we want to use that this year? And so, for instance, in you know, a COVID year, if you had margin, if you had a 10% margin or a 20% margin in your finances, you could actually now respond to the needs rather than going, well, every single penny is, is accounted for in all of these budgets and we don't have anything to be flexible with. So I think that's, there's a principle about margin that's really, really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. On, on a que- question on that, do you need to spend your margin every year? I mean, could, you could, I'm guessing you could, you, it can't be income, so it's not like you're sort of making money, but you could put it into savings or, you know, yeah, put it into... Of course you can. And there's an expectation. Like, remember, like, so we're, we're a church, um, you know, maybe we've got some like, you know, storehouse principles as well that we could put in there. But again, I'll say it again, stewarding. Actually, if, if you've got some money and you're able to invest, invest. You know, if you've got a if you've got a property that has a value and you're not doing the maintenance, it's going to ultimately lead to more problems and bigger problems. It's like you know, keep your investments up, keep your buildings up. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a reserves policy about how much you keep in reserve, and as a charity, you should have that in place. Um, you know, so. There's, it's all right to have money in the bank. There is, there is no problem with that. And actually having a healthy amount means that you can ride out when things don't go well. If there is a global crisis, uh, if you're, you know, and even on a local level, it's, you know, in terms of any level of resilience, you should have something financially planned as a charity about what you do with, uh, you know, you can have restricted reserves, you can have free reserves, but you need a reserves policy. You need something about how you handle finance. Uh, you need a finance policy, actually, as well as those things, to how you're, go- how you're going to deal with this. What will you do with money? What do your investments look like? When you make investments, will they be ethical? You know, who do you invest in? You know, there's been stories about that in the past, you know, with larger denominations coming out that they had investments in people that were maybe seen as less ethical. So it's, you know... Where, where are you investing? What are you doing? You know, a little bit of a rainy day fund. Maybe you want something to help people within your congregation who may be hit hard times and have a hardship fund as well. You know, let's, let's think about what those things look like. If you're setting with margin, if you're thinking with that in mind, and even like the planning by percentage is, you know, we're going to have this much aside every year for planned maintenance on the building. But also we're going to have a, 
uh, like a bit more of a sink fund of if something major goes wrong with a building and we get a, a, a bill in for the roof, it's not going to be a surprise because if you're going to get people giving to the vision, your vision doesn't always want to be the leaking roof uh, because that that that's gonna that's gonna tire people. Like we know we need buildings to achieve some of the stuff that we want to do in a lot of situations. It's like, but you know, don't don't make it the building is always the giving. Uh, it's like you know, be planning for that. If you've got a building, things are going to go wrong at some point, so be planning for it. Show good foresight um, and practical application. Yeah, great, great. Uh, okay, let's go on to the next point, which is uh, the principle about setting floors. Um, Lee, could you <laughs> so explain? <laughs> I was about to say, Chris, do you want to explain that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to explain. Um, no, Chris, you're, you're a generous chap. Explain about this. Well, setting floors is basically, it's, it's a, it is a principle based on thinking about when you're on your finances uh, in percentage wise, is saying on certain items, we are, this is a floor. We're not going to go, you can't go beneath the floor, you know, if it's on the bottom floor. If it's in the second, you know, second story, then you can't, yeah. you know. You know but on your floor you're not going to go below that so right. uh, a floor percentage and a good a great example for that would be your a generosity budget to say we are going to you know as churches churches um talk about finances personal finances with congregations quite a lot you know and we'll talk about how important it is i always grew up on you know you know you give 10 percent to god you save 10 percent, and then you got 80 percent to to do the, what the rest is and essentially that's the principle of of floors you don't go below those certain percentages and and churches often don't heed their own advice that they don't set a floor percentage for something like generosity and a, a generosity budget is probably the closest a church has to its own sort of tithe in that sense because it's it's what it, it gives away it is is probably it's congruent in that sense uh, but setting a floor means you're not going to go beneath it, even if, even if the, so if the finances change, you're not going to go beneath it. But you're also not going to then be sort of bartered down to go. Oh well, maybe that we can get take it down to nine percent or seven percent or six percent. No, no, it's a floor. We'll never go below ten percent or, or whatever the percentage is. And that's the it, that's the this is where I think the spiritual direction from a leadership can can uh, influence the finance policy in a, in a healthy way to say when we're, we're going to set a floor for this item and something like generosity is a great example of that yeah perfect so the opposite i've got my floors that was a that 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 that, that can't be a soundbite taken out of context uh i'm flawed <laughs> you do have uh, your flaws lee <laughs> but i'm not i'm not aware of any no, so, thank you. That's very generous of you. Um, the, so we have the floors in place. What about the ceilings? Well, the, yeah, absolutely. I think the same as you need as as you need floors. You also need ceilings, and they are percentage amounts that you're not going to go above. That you're not going to allow. It's so easy to creep these amounts up. So a great example of that would be something like staffing. Uh, staffing typically in the UK is around about the fifty percent for churches. Um, our suggestion would probably be lower, look to go leaner, um, yeah. more towards the, the 30%. Um, uh, but whatever it is, you set a ceiling and you don't go above it. And that's going to really help you when you're planning your finances to not go, well, that staff hire may not be right because it's going to take us above our ceiling. 
Um, yeah. And so it was worth thinking about it from that point. Now, there's always situations, you know, in this COVID year, that might skew this a little bit. And, but maybe that's, but that's also where you've got that margin for that you could actually just, you could plug that for a year with your margin if you needed to and get back to normality. Um, but I think having a, a, a ceiling for something like that, also another one would be uh, something like debt repayment. I think many churches, especially when they go for buildings, uh, there's a temptation to go, okay, we'll get that mortgage, but it's going to be, you know, let's say it's 30% of your income each month. But if you set a, a, a ceiling that it's going to be, we're not going to go above, you know, 10, 15, whatever percent, yeah. then you know that that's a policy that means that even if something's a great idea, you know, great idea, you're not going to go above that because that's your, it's a principle based thing. And, and so you're, you're not going to negotiate with you know getting a mortgage that's going to be too high and go above your ceiling perfect I'd put in there as well, like when we're working by percentages, people are going to go, you know, where do these figures come from? Look, so we, we do look at charity data and which overall, and, it, and that encompasses most churches. Um, uh, we also have got those that we've worked with and we've had people complete surveys for us and we've looked at signs of health because that's what we're looking for most of all. I think another thing is, is that when churches end up with really high staffing ratios, there's one or two things that can happen. Really high staffing ratios that start tipping like super high are often churches that are also in decline. Because if you're if you're if you've got you know more than the kind of one to a hundred ratio in terms of your like staffed congregation, then you're you know that 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 starts to build really quickly. So we often see churches with high staffing ratio are, are actually in some form of decline or have been through some kind of uh, change. The other thing is, is that when we, when, when, when we look at that about where you're budgeting, high staff ratio sometimes lowers volunteer engagement and opportunities for people to step up and uh, carry out things as part of their, uh, again, part of their giving, as it were, but their, their time and their commitment and places to get involved. So high staffing can also lead to future problems. Uh, with what you want to do it can close off opportunities to volunteering uh, and it can create insider culture and it can also uh, show that you you potentially could be in decline uh, so they're, they're things they're what they're things to watch for and that's what i say they're signs of health they're things to look at they're not hard and fast rules of all of this but Typically, if we can look at some of these things and when we put these things down on paper and look at these as numbers, part of what we do as our thinking church strategic process, we come and do these things with you. But when we look at this, it can actually help us pinpoint areas in the church that need addressing or a fresh look uh, to actually get them on track and get them in the right places and work out what's right for you. You're not the same as the church down the road. This is about looking at signs of health that work for you. If you've got particularly intensive projects, you might have higher staffing, but you might also have other areas of income that support them, even statutory funding or you know other providers helping you achieve it. So it's 
you know, there's, there's a whole picture to build up. You are not the same as any other church. You are unique in what you do. We want to help help you by helping you find out what those signs are for you. And that, that's where we're at. So, so Chris, we, we understand some flaws to our budget, things we won't go below. We've got some ceilings to our budget, things we won't go above that are unique to us. I'm, I'm looking at the signs of my church and we're, we're, we're in a good position. We've had some, we've got some health. We actually, as a result of that, we've seen new people coming. So we're excited. We've got growth and we're baptized. And this is incredible, even during this COVID season. What about expanding? How do, how do I go about setting an expansion budget? What is it to go beyond this? What does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's first off, I think many churches have never really thought about setting a budget that is specifically aimed at expanding as a church. And uh, it links completely into having a growth strategy, which also many churches don't have. Um, and but I think it's really important that um, if if you want your church to grow and, and you know, we always talk about health more than growth and, and we're not getting into that debate today, but actually uh, churches you know we, we there is a certain element where growth is a healthy thing so when it when it's healthy growth that's something that's good and we want to plan for that and and i think you can't uh you cannot this is a referring back to uh uh lee baker in uh, episode five he said you can't expect what you don't resource and if you ex- if you're expecting growth but you're not resourcing for that growth then uh, that's not actually going to it's, it's going to inhibit you from being able to achieve that. So a great example is if your church is looking to be a multi-site church, then you will need a budget to be able to plant another site. Or if you're multi, you know, to be able to achieve that expansion, you need to have a budget in place to be able to do it. So setting a budget in, in your finance, but I recommend every church thinks about it, whether yeah. they are planning to go multi-site or not that actually they they use that uh, and they identify the things that are going to help them reach more people for Jesus and they use that expansion budget to invest in those areas because actually that's you know that's part of the calling of the church is to reach more people for Jesus um so um so you need to have that set in place and i think it needs to be a budget item um and and again it's it's one of those things where you probably need to set it as a a percentage that you you know set the threshold of a floor and a ceiling for it that we're not going to go below this and we're not going to go above this and set it as a as, as a you know a good sensible amount um and i think that's going to really help you think about growth and planning for you know if it's multi-site or for growing your you know getting a new building or all those kind of things it's going to help you run that strategy better uh, absolutely and and i think there we've also got another t-shirt slogan of you can't expect what you don't resource um yes we'll get lee baker in on that action but uh, i think that's that that's the second t-shirt we've come up with in one episode this is this is this is good for us uh, i think that our you know our secondary income will be through t-shirt sales at this rate yeah uh, yeah thinking um, cloth thinking cloth men of the cloth we could uh we could describe ourselves as what 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 a, what a sideline we could be getting into here this is i mean i'm expecting them to literally fly off the shelves um i if, mean to be, to be fair at this point i am thinking that you, you can only expect what you resourced and as we were putting no budget towards this i can see where this might go 
so <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes we have put zero budget towards our t-shirt uh, enterprise and uh, but you know if you is that something that you really want then uh, then please let us know we'd, we'd love to uh we'd love to resource you with a t-shirt if you really need one uh, they might be drawn with you know pen or something like that but that's fine um, um i think back to that point though about you know you can't you can't expect what you don't resource and then about where you're putting things by percentage look if you're always looking to employ people because you're not raising enough volunteers start planning intentionally to raise volunteers and look at a volunteer strategy and put some finance towards it to make volunteering great now i know chris that we actually looked at um volunteering onboarding strategy at your own church that i came and helped do some work with yes that actually but that was i saw a church with intent looking at a way to better engage its volunteers one because they were like well we're not going to employ so you knew where the finance was going to go but you knew that there was an expansion yes so actually working that whole thing back and allowed us to get those teams around the table and uh, look at literally building out a volunteer strategy. Uh, but there was a level of intent to invest in that process, some financially, some by time, to raise volunteers. And now you're resourcing and now you're expecting and now you're seeing results as, a, mm-hmm. as, as, a, as, you know, as an extension of that. So I think you know, there, there is proof in this and there are lessons learned and we've, we've seen this stuff actually work. I'd love to revisit that on, on a future one about building volunteer strategy and about, you know, resourcing volunteers. I think that'd be a, a follow on from like the financial aspect of it as well. Um, so I think, yeah, some yeah. good stuff to cover. Well, and, and I think it's probably worth uh, saying we've, well, I mean, we've covered a, a decent amount uh, today on this podcast. So uh, we should probably call it there, but I think we've got way more podcasts uh, in the pipeline, I think volunteer onboarding strategies, uh, of talking about volunteering is going to be a great thing. So we'll, we'll have that soon as well. Um, but Lee, for today, thank you so much for joining me, as always. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great on this edition of uh, Thinking Chestnuts. <sighs> yes, yes. Uh, and if, if anyone wants some chestnuts, uh, please email lee.button at thinking.church that's lee.button at thinking.church and he'll sort you out with them lee thank you so much thank you sir it's been a pleasure well thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode and as we said at the top of the show uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts, feedbacks, comments. Uh, If you've got thoughts on the topic that we've been talking about, we'd love for you to hear that. Uh, Just drop us uh, an email, podcast at thinking.church, and we'd love to read it out on the show. Uh, So just uh, email us, podcast at thinking.church, and we'd love to read it out. We will see you again for another episode next week. Bye for now.